Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker here to tell you that the Stat Sheet Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, or fantasy advice? Well, check out Boxscore Network and follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Stat Sheet Podcast. I'm Simon Short, joined, as always, by Ronan Summers and Ben Parker. Ben is here. Nobody worry. Nobody turn off your podcast listening device. He's just at a listening party for the newly remastered, re-released Taylor Swift 1989 album. So he might be in and out. You might hear some extra things happening in the background. He's with uh, Travis Kelsey and, and Blake Lively. It's a whole thing. But uh, you'll hear from Ben. He'll, he'll be in and out of the podcast for sure. Ronan is also here. Year. We just got finished watching Monday Night Football, a riveting Lions and Raiders game, which I think officially ended at a 26 to 14 score. It probably could have been a little higher if I didn't jinx the Lions at one point, but we'll get into that. Um, but Ronan, coming off of Monday Night Lions Raiders, what were your thoughts? What do you what are you thinking initially after this game? I think first and foremost, that Lions offense, aside from the turnovers that they committed, right, and the pick. Six was not pretty, uh, nor was the Jamison Williams fumble. But aside from the turnovers, that offense looked pretty solid tonight. Uh, 26 points. You might have wanted to see a little bit more uh, production scoring-wise tonight, especially against the Raiders' defense. Uh, But on the flip side, the Raiders came to play, and they weren't necessarily uh, going to let let the Lions walk all over. It was kind of down to the wire. Uh, the last like 10 minutes were kind of washed but the first three quarters it was it, it was kind of up in the air the Lions had control for a lot of the game uh, but Jared Goff looked pretty all right 26 of 37 for 272 yards one touchdown one pick like I mentioned the pick six to Marcus Peters uh, but the passing game wasn't necessarily uh, the spotlight of tonight it, it was Jameer Gibbs in the running game Craig Reynolds as well uh, combined the two of them well As a team, they ran 43 times for 222 yards and a tug. Uh, Jameer Gibbs ran for 26 26 carries, 152 yards, and he was the one to get that touchdown. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the Jameer Gibbs game. We've been waiting for it. It took David Montgomery getting hurt, but we're here, and Gibbs is a legit threat for this Lions offense. We've seen it now. We can use it to, uh, you know, maybe fuel our – our betting uh, ambitions or our fantasy lineups. Go trade for them. Bet the over. It's Jameer Gibbs time, Simon. Yeah, until Dave Montgomery comes back and then he'll get ah! eight carries for 22 <laughs> yards and four <laughs> catches, and, and it, it'll all just go back. But, no, yeah, it was a great game. It was awesome to see for him. Um, the Lions were able to move the ball whenever they wanted, what, nearly 500 yards of total offense, over 200 on the ground, like you said, Ronan. But – this team misses David Montgomery. They had four field goals that they had to take in the red zone-ish area from the 26, 15, 13, and 8-yard lines, and that 8 was was a miss. So, um, yeah, my bad on that. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that later. But, yeah, the, this team misses David Montgomery. You could feel it. When they get down into that lower red zone, they were still moving the ball however they wanted, whenever they wanted, wherever they wanted. 
up and down on this Raiders defense all game, but they didn't really know what to do once they got in the red zone. They just kind of were hoping Gibbs would be able to punch it in the way Montgomery has. Um, the the solution to not being able to score in the red zone for uh, Jameer Gibbs was just to run from outside of the red zone and just get a touchdown without being in the red zone. So that 27 yarder that he had, that was great. That was very much a, I need this much space to score my touchdown. So I'm going to do it from here. Um, but yeah, other than that, the lines just continue to look like the lines the way they have all season. Ben, what were your thoughts coming out of this game here? Uh, lions over Raiders. Actually, before I get into any of mine, I'm just going to sit down where Ronan was sitting. And that is on the lions offense been able to move the football up and down the field. Red zone statistics notwithstanding, this has kind of been a thing for the Lions this year. When you look at their yardage, they're basically unstoppable. They're number two in the league behind only the Dolphins. And, of course, the Dolphins are putting up the ridiculous, you know, ridiculous PlayStation Tech Mobile numbers, that kind of crap. But the Lions' offense from a yardage standpoint is just completely unstoppable. And yet they're only putting out 25 points a game. When you watch this offense maneuver – you kind of feel like, man, they should be up at 28, 30 points a game like some of the other big offenses. And it really – they've had two games this year where they did that, and then they had another that, – that wild game against the Seahawks. But there have been several games this year where they just couldn't quite seem to cash in on the points this year, and that's kind of been a theme. So I give a lot of credit to Ben Johnson here. I think he's getting even more out of this personnel than there is, you know, out on face value here. And I think if, you know, maybe it's Jamison Williams stepping up over the second half of the season, or maybe you get the next off season and they add another, you know, legit weapon, something else needs to kick in here at some point in order for them to truly stay up there at that 28, 30 point mark, because that can be important. It's not going to be important against the Raiders on Monday night, because we're kind of seeing the Raiders defense we kind of thought we might see heading into the year. That might be important at some point, and we'll see. But, yeah, again, from a yardage standpoint, Ben Johnson just has them cooking. You know, you mentioned what else Detroit can kind of do here. Do you, Is there a post-game trade for Devontae Adams coming? He was just – he just said uh, – <laughs> I just got this quote. Uh, Ian Rappaport retweeted it from Tashna Reed. Uh, Devontae Adams, I don't know what to say at this moment. I truly don't. I mean – they're in Detroit. All of Detroit's brass is right there at the game. Do they just like walk down? They're right there. Hey, hey, Josh, you know, I, and look, let's not even make it a pick. Jameson Williams, just take him home with you. Just we'll one for one, swap it, and and we'll be good to go. No completions to a wide receiver in the first half for Las Vegas tonight. Jimmy Garoppolo had 31 passing yards in the first half. Um, the receive uh, Garoppolo ended with 126 yards. Um, not taking into account the 49 yards lost on the six sacks that he took, which I'm pretty sure came in two bunches. I'm pretty, it it feels like there were two sequences where it was first, second, and third down sack. And that happened twice. It it, it came in bunches for the, the Raiders offense here, Ben. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. Five of them came as soon as, and that's my, this is one of the things I was going to mention. Five of those sacks came after the lions got that 23 to 14 lead. That kind of was the tilt. I'll talk about that more in a minute, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, 10 completions for Garoppolo and doing some quick math here. One, two, three, four of those went to a receiver. Adams was one for 11 in this one on seven targets. Um, And and Ronan, Adams was just getting missed left and right in this one, whether it was Jimmy G seeing in late, whether it was Jimmy G being on the ground, whether it was 
Garoppolo just straight up missing the throw. Adams was wide open all game. You know, what did you see from from the Vegas offense here? Uh, what did I see from the or Vegas offense? Yeah, it's uh, I didn't see consistency. I didn't see uh, good quarterback play. I mean, you you said it. He Adams was open, right? And he just would get missed, overthrown or what have you. Uh, one reception on seven targets to, you know, going into this season or maybe going back to last season, one of the top receivers in the game. Um, and he's had a good year thus far. It's just, I, I, truthfully, I don't know what happened tonight. Uh, but 10 for 21 kind of paints that picture. It's not Devontae's fault, that's for sure. And uh, you, you talked about a trade, you know, trade deadlines tomorrow or today if you're listening. Um, ah. I'd love to see him get moved, but with that contract, it's it's going to be tough, Ben. Yeah, and listen, not trying to hate on the Raiders here because I actually would enjoy seeing the Raiders, you know, do better as a franchise over the next few years. But for for Devontae Adams' sake, I'd love to see him get out of here. I'd love to see him go somewhere where they can actually feed him the ball and he can actually enjoy some winning seasons here. You know, at the tail end, it's not the tail end of his career. In the latter third of his career, I'll put it that way. I I would love to see it, Simon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's this offseason, whether it's by next trade deadline, Devonta Adams, I don't think is going to be long for Vegas, unfortunately. All right. Anybody have anything else on Monday night football? Yeah, I had a couple of things just real quick. So one is I mentioned it earlier that uh, five sacks, basically as soon as the Raiders went, uh, sorry, the Lions went up 23 to 14. That was when you saw the tilt, I'll call it. Um, you see this in a lot of NFL games, whenever somebody gets a big enough lead and they have edge rushers that they truly can unleash, maybe those guys have been worried about the running game early on and it's different for different teams and different leads for the Cowboys. If they get a seven point lead in the first quarter, you see the tilt, right? Michael Parsons does nothing but rush the quarterback after that. And it is old, right? But for the Lions, you saw it as soon as they caught that double digit lead, Later in the game, it couldn't be earlier in the game. That wouldn't have mattered as much with that Raiders offense. But you saw it as soon as that happened, all bets were off. And the guy that I really love here uh, on the Lions defense that has really played huge this season is Aleem McNeil. The guy is just beast in it, not only in getting to the quarterback, but in shutting down the running game of some of these teams. He's been the biggest improvement on the defense this season. Other guys have improved, no question. But McNeil has been the biggest, and and kind of a little bit out of nowhere, really. But he's been the biggest. You saw him pick up two sacks. But, again, a lot of that is just we don't have to worry about you running the football anymore. We can just come right at you. And, by the way, our defensive line was already better than your offensive line anyway. Simon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you mentioned this lead could have been a little bit bigger at various points. I mentioned the the red zone inefficiency, but I will also take the L on uh, Mr. Patton, Patterson's missed field goal at the end of the game. Um, <laughs> uh, when let's see when, when the Raiders turned it over on downs with three minutes left to go or no earlier than that, right? Six minutes, six minutes ish. Um, I said, hey, if the. I texted in the Slack, hey, if the Lions score here, we can get on, you know, a little early. It'll only save us like 10 or 15 minutes, but that means a lot when it's, you know, midnight and 1 a.m. when we're doing these podcasts and whatnot. And uh, the Lions went down to have three straight runs of like 10 yards each in a row, and they get down that low red zone. 
not only do they not score a touchdown, actually they score a touchdown that gets called back for a holding penalty. Not only do they not score a touchdown after that, they straight up miss the field goal. So that's that's my bad. That that's my fault. Um, we we still got on a little bit early, but uh, I apologize for Mr. Riley Patterson. Um, that field goal percentage is on me. Uh, nobody take that out of my paycheck. Um, that's not what I'm saying here, but I, I will, you know, form a nice tweet for him or something like that. Let's move on from this game. Don't worry, guys. We have some really exciting other primetime games that we'll we'll get into on this podcast. But we we have a we have a tasty game of the week for you that we'll talk about. But let's talk about some injuries and some news around the NFL right now to start. Obviously, no bigger news in the NFL right now than Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins with his torn Achilles from the game on Sunday versus the Packers. Um, And he is officially done for the season. The MRI was confirmed uh, earlier today on Monday. Ben, what were your, you know, immediate thoughts when, when this injury happened, when the news came down, everything for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings? Well, I'll, I'll save my joke for a second, but first of all, Kirk Cousins, we've mentioned it this year is a fantastic guy, right? And and all joking aside about his abilities in prime time, which were good a week ago, statistically, he's a tremendous quarterback, and they're going to miss him. But my, my joke thought was, what if the Jets had traded for Kirk Cousins a few weeks ago, and he went down with the season-ending injury too? You talk about the all-time worst beat for a fan base who just can't seem to catch a break. That was my thought. Ronan, you, Kirk Cousins, Vikings. I mean, they were starting to roll a little bit. You know, what What were your thoughts when the injury came through? And then where does this kind of leave the Vikings for the rest of 2023? Uh, they were on a roll. And as far as this year goes, it, it seems like it's probably going to be a wash. Um, I, I don't mean to offend the Vikings fans, but they probably know. Um, Justin Jefferson, you know, has been hurt. Cousins just went out with the Achilles. Um, it... it it is kind of interesting, though, uh, because there were kind of rumors swirling that, you know, what if the Vikings want to just go ahead and tank and go get one of these top quarterbacks from this year's draft class, uh, potentially even trade away Kirk Cousins, right? The Jets were, like you said, Ben, one of those teams that uh, could have been in the mix for Cousins. And now here we are. Uh, the Vikings are without Cousins. It's just they didn't get any compensation in return for it. So I... Looking past this year, it's going to be very interesting because it's it's a regime that didn't bring Cousins in, right? Um, so, and he's already kind of been slowly getting nudged out the door, but his stats, uh, Ben, like you've mentioned again, his stats have been good, so it's hard to justify booting him. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what this young Vikings offense does for the foreseeable future because there's many different avenues that they can go and you know what we might be here a year from now and cousins might still be the quarterback and putting up pretty solid numbers like he typically does so uh obviously it sucks for cousins he's a great guy like you mentioned and uh just wish him a speedy recovery simon yeah really really tough for cousins and for the vikings who were definitely turning things around already this season and you know, with the Lions having had slipped against the Ravens last week, you're one. You're looking at the standings. You're like, man, there's an outside chance of this. But even the wild card uh, race in the NFC still is pretty wide open. There, the Vikings certainly could have made a good push for that. I mean, I think this is the. I think it's going to be the end for Cousins in Minnesota. I think it would have taken another like 
a nice little run to the playoffs and nice showing the playoffs for them to be like, you know what, let's keep this thing going. They've been Minnesota has been uh, the the phrase around them for the last two years has been a competitive rebuild. And it's like, hey, while while the pieces are here, they're here. And that's great. But if we have a chance to move on from people, a la Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadaria Smith this past offseason, you know, if they didn't restruct, do another restructure or extend of Kirk's contract this past offseason. So he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this. This feels like from their standpoint, a very natural moving on point. And whatever that means for the rest of the year, we'll we'll talk Vikings and trade deadline towards the end of the pod. But um, to stick on Kirk Cousins, it, it feels like this is the end for him in Minnesota. And, and Ben, I want to throw this back to you. You've got a 35-year-old quarterback coming off of a week eight Achilles injury, a guy who this this is a you know idea for a different pod, but you know, for as poorly as quarterback play has been this year, is a guy that's up there in the top 12 of quarterbacks for this year, but 35 coming off of the Achilles. Uh mobility was already not uh, a part of his game. What's it look like for Kirk? You think this off season? How do you think he's got a bunch of suitors out there for him? Is this going to be like a Derek Carr thing, where all of a sudden he's got a four year, hundred fifty million dollar contract from somebody? You know, what are you thinking about uh, for Kirk moving forward? Yeah, based on what I saw before the injury, I don't see why teams wouldn't want him. Now, you know, they're probably going to know he might not be available for the start of the season. We'll see. Those Achilles, it, a lot of the a lot of the Achilles, ACL, MCL tear comebacks get lengthened because they happen in one season and you're basically putting six months of off season in there so guys recover different uh links so he might be ready for the start of next year but anyway he looked good enough before the injury to where i think teams have won him several teams i i agree with you i think the vikings are going to move on they might have already been going to move on like you both alluded to i think they're ready to move on it's a pretty good group of quarterbacks you basically got three guys sitting right there in the draft that are very enviable and desirable if you want to get aggressive and even if you don't want to get aggressive, there's another group of guys there that looks like they could at least give you a chance to compete if you had a running game, which the Vikings don't at the moment. But, you know, work to be done. I think they have plenty of options, and I, I, I do think they're going for Cousins. Yeah, I, I think there will be plenty of teams that will at least be interested. It might not be as gaudy of a deal as Carr because he is a co- uh, Cousins is a couple years older than Carr, but I think it will be something right. – Bigger than we expected, whether it's a one or two year deal for the veteran. Yeah. Uh, let's hit a few more other quarterback and quarterback adjacent injuries um, that shouldn't be as long term. Pittsburgh Steelers suffered two injuries in their loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, including quarterback Kenny Pickett, who is going to be a game time decision for the Thursday night matchup versus the Titans with a ribs injury. Um, so that is unfortunate but things weren't going all that well beforehand anyways um i can attest to that so that's the deal with kenny pickett we'll see what happens um i assume he's gonna at least give i if i had to bet my money on it if you really want to know what i think is going to happen i would say he probably tries to play um and then whether or not he stays in the game the whole time we'll, we'll kind of see uh when when Jeffrey Simmons hits you and, you and you've got a bad set of ribs, you, you you probably won't stay in for very long. But the Steelers are also dealing with a, what could be a more long-term injury in safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. He injured his hamstring uh, in that loss as well, walked himself right off the field basically and into the locker room and was pretty immediately ruled out of the game and pretty immediately ruled out for Thursday Night Football. 
that's really tough. The Steelers, I haven't looked back at this because uh, it would make me sad, but I don't know the last time Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, and Minka Fitzpatrick were all healthy for like multiple games in a row. So that's been really tough. Um, uh, do, do you guys want to say anything on, on the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, I, I'm very sad, but, you know, that that's Steeler fan stuff. So, you know, Ronan, any any Steeler thoughts here you want to get out? Um, You know, the Steelers have kind of been uh, an up and down team this year. So, you know, losing these top guys, like you've mentioned, if there are a couple of coaches in the league that, that can will their team to a win. And I think Tomlin is one of them, but he's going to have to really, really will them because uh, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, me either. Uh, ben, you you were high on the Steelers. You've been uh, pretty disappointed in them the last couple of weeks here. Um, you know, and any Steeler thoughts uh, at this moment with Pickett and Minka out, both yeah. maybe for Thursday night? The, the Fitzpatrick one is the big one. That's yeah. the guy you really don't want missing out of that backfield for sure. And you mentioned Pickett hasn't been playing well. I'm not sure they would miss him for Thursday night, to be honest. It might even do him good to just sit out a week or so. Kind of catch his collective mindset, which maybe he, they already tried to do during the during the bye week, I'm sure. <laughs> hasn't shown up yet. So, uh, you know, I don't know that they're going to miss him a whole lot for one game or two games. Uh, Fitzpatrick, that's a big deal. Pickett is a guy who kind of has he, – he's kind of like those old – not even the RC cars. Uh, Rona, you might not even know these, but Ben, you know the cars that you would have to wind backwards oh, three or four on. times? <laughs> and, and Seriously? Would... <laughs> Do you think I'm four? And then they would show. So that's that's Kenny Pickett, right? Because he really only plays well for like the fourth quarter in most games. So maybe yes. if he misses two games, he'll get like a full game and a half where he's like really, really good. Um, I laugh so I don't cry. Uh, moving on here, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford sprained UCL on the thumb. We, Ronan and I were talking about this before we logged on. We still don't really have a timeline on that though. So Stafford, another tough guy. Uh, the the Rams tried to get old buddy John Wolford back on on the roster this evening. Ronan, I don't know if you even saw that, but the Bucks protected him by moving him from their practice squad to their fifty three man roster, just so the Rams couldn't snag him. Um, so Rams, Matt Stafford, quarterback. What's the situation, Ronan? Uh, he's currently listed as day to day, and um. <clears throat> I'm going to be heading to uh, whatever, it need, I guess, maybe NFL.com to see what Bryce Perkins is up to, uh, the preseason phenom from last season, uh, because I I don't know. Brett Ripon just ain't necessarily doing it for me. Uh, you know, at least Perkins, he's got some flash. He can run a little bit, um, add something to the game other than a backup pocket quarterback which is just typically not the way to go you usually don't win a whole lot of games uh despite you know maybe like a ryan fitzpatrick but we don't have any journeymen who uh can pull up in a deshaun jackson outfit and pull it off bryce perkins worked out for the panthers at the end of september i guess that was when bryce young originally hurt his ankle but i don't see anything about him getting signed so he's probably out there somewhere would you rather have bryce perkins walk through the door or carson wentz Ew. Um, I'm going to go Bryce Perkins. I'm going to go Bryce Perkins because Carson Wentz, that comes with probably a little bit heftier of a price tag. Um, Granted, I don't think he's probably, he's, it's, it's what is it? I'm not a hunter. Is it, is it in season yet? 
No. Yeah, I don't know I don't, why. We're, we're football guys. It's one or the other. We're usually. I don't know, Ron. Ron, but, you didn't need any of those qualifiers. Bryce Perkins was the correct and acceptable answer. Okay. That was all, I'll take that. that. All I'll take that. But you know what? Carson's probably not picking up the phone right now. You know, maybe if it were like September, you know, August, maybe. Uh, but he's he's about to get up in the blinds or something. I, I feel he, like he's got too many different jerseys on right now. Ben, any thoughts on on Matt Stafford and the Rams? And then go ahead and flip that into the Giants quarterback situation. Tyrod Taylor, he left that game early on Sunday with a rib injury. He was released from the hospital on Monday. Um, they had what was his name? Tommy DeVito, the most Italian quarterback to ever play in the NFL play in that game. And the giants had negative one yards of passing offense. Um, so Ben thoughts on Stafford, Tyrod Taylor, Rams, giants, quarterbacks. Well, listen, since we're going to go on a, go on a, an Italian theme, I, I'm, there's a guy coming in the draft next year who plays for the Cincinnati uh, Bearcats. He's a defensive tackle, and his name is Dante Corleone. So if you're a, if you're an Italian lover, mafia lover, he's coming to the NFL at some point. I uh, look for him in the 24 draft. But um, uh, that listen, the Rams have so impressed me this year, and I've, I've I've said it more than once how much they have overachieved compared to what I thought. And yet, I think over the past two or three weeks, not just the Cowboys game, but the past couple of weeks, we've started to see it start to come back softly down to earth a little bit. And then we always knew with Stafford and Donald and Cup and and the one other guy, I'm losing him now. But the injury thing was a factor, too, because if you lose one of those big guys, there's not a lot after that. So it's not all falling apart for the Rams, but still, they're starting to have to patch holes on a ship here. And so that's what that's what, another reason besides Stafford being really good that this is going to be a problem for the next couple of weeks. And then the Giants can't seem to catch a break at quarterback. I mean, they're not catching any breaks this year anyway, but they're surely not catching any breaks at quarterback. Simon? I think I saw today Brian Dable said he expects Daniel Jones to practice in some form or fashion Wednesday. I don't think he's really practiced uh, at all since sustaining the neck injury originally about three, four weeks ago now. Uh, let's move off of quarterbacks now. Uh, we'll hit a couple of small, well, I won't say smaller injuries, but uh, less notable injuries. Falcons defensive tackle, Grady Jarrett, pro bowler, torn ACL on Sunday. He is out for the season. The Falcons have been uh, definitely talked about when it comes to the trade deadline. We'll talk uh, more specifically about some ones later, but um, they did make a subsequent move on Monday, trading a conditional six-round pick to the Eagles for Contavious Street. Uh, who he's only played 87 snaps so far for the Eagles this season after being a, a good rotational player for the Saints last year. So the uh, Falcons are maintaining some beef up front. Um, meanwhile, the Eagles have now opened up a roster spot and gained another draft pick to potentially uh, use to trade. So everybody just just silence your phones. Just block Howie Roseman because you don't you don't want that call. Um, a couple other small ones I'll hit, and I'll just open it up to you guys. Uh, Patriots wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, he's done for the year with a knee injury. It looks like ACL. Um, he was also a potential trade candidate after having a bounce-back year this year. Jets offensive lineman Connor McGovern and Wes Schweitzer to IR, so it's probably Joe Tipman time at center. Um, Ronan, do any of these three uh, non-quarterback injuries stand out to you at all? Yeah, truthfully, the Kendrick Bourne injury uh, that, that that definitely gives my gets my attention. He's been their leading uh, receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty-seven receptions so far this season, four hundred yards. He's also gotten the most receiving touchdowns for the Patriots this year. So this was already a pretty not great 
passing offense and then losing your top premier target who is Kendrick Bourne that that yeah if if you planned on watching a Patriots game and it being pretty I'd go ahead and shut it off because it's it's going to be uh it's going to be Bill Belichick football most likely Simon yeah absolutely Ben any of these ones stand out to you yeah, I, I want to talk about uh, this, this is the first chance I've had a, had a chance to get get to give y'all credit for the Falcons defense this year because both of y'all were very high on the Falcons defense. I said, no, this looks like a bottom five bottom feeder, and they've been greatly improved. I mean, they they are more disciplined. They are playing smarter. They're playing more aggressive, more physical. A lot of that is the experience that they brought on board that you guys, especially Ronan, loved. So they're playing a lot better. Now, statistically – you can still make the argument that they're skewing a little bit high because they haven't gone up against the greatest offenses, but still, they are vastly improved over anything <clears throat> that I thought we were going to see this year out of them. Listen, they've got guys – Jeff Okuda is playing better than he's ever played anywhere else. He is just playing better. We've always known he had the physical assets. He's playing better. Um, they've got a guy named Nate Landman at linebacker who was an undrafted guy in 2022. He's playing pretty well. They've got another undrafted guy from 22 named – D. Alford from someplace called Tusculum in Tennessee. He's playing very well, getting a lot of snaps. They're they're pulling guys from out of the woodwork, and then you add in the guys that we all knew about, like Caden Ellis and David Onyemata is having one of his better seasons. And and so listen, when you lose Grady Jarrett, that's going to hurt. There's no question about it. And if they start taking on more injuries on that defense, it's going to start to fall apart quickly. But they are doing very well, and they can handle this injury for now over the next few weeks because, again, we mentioned that their schedule is not a brutal schedule. So they can handle one loss. It's going to hurt a little bit, but they, they have enough rotation guys there to where they'll be okay the next few weeks and start to figure out what else they want to do defensively. <clears throat> All right, that will do it for the injuries for this week. We have some news items that we we're going to hit, some other big trade deadline talk that we're going to do, but first – Let's listen to some ads from other Boxcore Network podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robertson Vire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Boxcore Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter at Odds on Favorite and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? I'm here to tell you about the Simon Short Podcast. Every Thursday, I deep dive topics related to the NFL, pro hoops, pop culture, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the Simon Short Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, and we're back. Let's hit some news now that has been on the Twitter sphere. Let's start with the big trade that took place today. The Seattle Seahawks traded a second-round pick in 2024 and a fifth-round pick in 2025 to the New York Football Giants for defensive tackle Leonard Williams. This was a big move. I didn't really think about Leonard Williams a lot when it came to get being traded for. He's going to be 30 this uh, this winter or this summer. I forget when his birthday is. Um and he's going to be a free agent, wasn't sure who would want to do it. But I think this is a good move for Seattle guys because 
the Seahawks have hit their draft. They, they've had all these extra picks because of the Russell Wilson trade. They've made a lot of good picks, so they have a lot of good young players. This was a good opportunity for them to kind of cash in and say, we're going all in on this year. They technically, I think, have a lead in the NFC West right now um, over the 49ers. And, and they're going for it. So I, I really like this move. Ronan, as a, our NFC West correspondent, uh, Seattle Seahawks get Leonard Williams. What were your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, it was a great move. And I, I've loved what they've done so far. Um, just this season making moves. Uh, they picked up Frank Clark, uh, I believe, last week, right? Mm-hmm. And to kind of fill Nchena Nwosu's role after he was injured for the season. And then bringing in Leonard Williams. Um, that, that defensive line is getting beefed up. And that was... Kind of that that weak spot of that defense. I know that secondary, um, it's young. So, but whenever they're on top of their game, they they're up there, man. Tariq Woolen is no joke. Um, but I've loved what they've done to beef up that defensive front, giving up a second and a fifth, a little bit pricey. But whenever it's for a dude of Leonard Williams caliber, um, whenever he's at his best, that I think that's worth it, Simon. Yeah, I think him and. The combination of him and Draymond Jones is going to be really, really fun. Um, when you're on that defensive line, it's one thing to have one guy, whether it's one edge guy or one interior guy. But when you get two guys really working together in harmony, I mean, we just saw what Leonard Williams was doing with Dexter Lawrence in, in New York. Once those two guys were really kind of on their game high level at the same time last year, they were playing off each other really, really well. So hopefully we see the same with Draymond Jones. Ben, this trade, you know what? What came to mind? Well, a lot of things. I'll try to do them quick. First of all, I loved it for the Seahawks because I a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick for defensive tackle who's not technically under contract next year, it's a little bit pricey. But yep. one of the things we picked on for the Seahawks during the offseason was I didn't think they'd done enough on the interior of that defensive line. Offensive line either, but defensive line for sure. Really wanted them to do more. They waited until now. He's going to plug a big hole in run defense and pass defense. You mentioned he's got a lot of the other young people there. And, Simon, you really – I thought you brought up a great point that I hadn't even thought of. They've already got so many young people on the team. It's not like they need these draft picks over the next couple of seasons. They've got a lot of young picks that they've already hit on. So now you bring back in a guy, and you think you probably, if he likes being in Seattle, if he's winning, probably going to resign there. And at the age of 30, he's probably, well, we know he's not, he's not going to be making anywhere near the kind of money he was making on that last contract. So you probably figure we can resign him to a reasonable deal and we should have cap space because we've got a lot of young people on the team not eating up that cap space. I think it's a perfect move for this Seattle defense, even if the draft picks are a little bit high. Absolutely love it. They're having a good season. Why not go for it to get aggressive here and see what you can do in the NFC? They've got to think they can do do a lot of stuff here in the NFC, so I loved it. Didn't hate it for the Giants either. The Giants aren't going anywhere. Yep. <laughs> what are the Giants going to do? They're not doing yep. squat. So, listen, I don't like the idea of tear down and rebuilds, but if you've got a guy that you already know, he may not be around next season anyway. He may be gone. Ship him out and get that second-round second, second round pick and fifth-round pick. I loved it for the Giants too. Yeah, that you know, we mentioned Dexter Lawrence. They have him. They paid him. You go draft a guy on day two, maybe with this exact pick. Do a little Javon yeah, Kinlaw. Right. Um, uh, there. Uh, who went to? Who went from San Fran to the Colts? Who's over there? Buckner. Uh, thank you, DeForest Buckner. Um, you do a little, just a swap of. Now it hasn't really worked out for San Fran with with Javon Kinlaw, but you get my point. Uh, we love uh draft process around here. Uh, but. <laughs> 
you go get a guy who could play next to Lawrence. You see how he develops. You see what that looks like. You're probably not going to be a very good team now. The Giants for a couple of seasons. You don't want to pay two defensive tackles that much money. Uh, let's move on here to so, uh, an AFC competing team. The Bills, they are the winners of the playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette sweepstakes. Um, now, when I saw this, I, I actually messaged this to you guys. I, I haven't sent you my updated thoughts, but... I was kind of like, you know, James Cook is having a good year. Ben just mentioned last week how we just wish the Bills were running the ball more. They're pretty effective. They're they're average in temps uh, on the season, but it's definitely one game a lot, one game less. It's very game plan oriented for them week to week. And I said that, you know, Cooks is having a good year. And I thought Latavius Murray was having a good year too. But I think that was a little bit of early season success and more eye tests getting in in my mind there because I, I looked up the stats where he's at right now and he's only at a 45 percent success rate that's not very good 3.6 yards per carry that's not very good so Fournette playoff experience recent playoff experience and an upgrade as that goal line number two running back uh in letter Fournette over Latavius Murray Ben what did you think about this signing for the Bills I will tell you why I love it and then I'm going to take some of it back okay so I I love the fact that they add him in. I, I think the Bills could use more physicality on offense. I think they should run the football more than they do. I think they should give Josh Allen a, a, maybe five to seven fewer carries and give those to a running back, a running back like Leonard Fournette, who, again, you mentioned it, red zone, goal line, third and short, fourth and short. You hand it to him. He's got the experience. He don't waste no time trying to dance around. It's just boom, boom, boom. Now, again, I'm with you. I liked Dalvin Cook and uh, uh, the other Bills running back whose name just completely left me. Murray. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I think they are fully capable, but this adds more depth, more physicality, more experience. I like it for the Bills. It doesn't solve their real problem, which is the Bills' offensive line isn't a push-around kind of offensive line. It's a good, decent offensive line, but I like it. But now here's where I take it back. We, we talked about for the last two or three weeks, the Bills need to do something. The Bills might not think about doing something. Uh, this isn't it, right? This isn't the game-changer move, right? This isn't the one that puts you over top of all these other AFC teams, like the Ravens and the Bengals are starting to show up and Chiefs who aren't going anywhere. This wasn't the move, so we're still looking for another Bills move, but I like this one. Simon? Uh. You know, you mentioned the Josh Allen runnings, and, and a few weeks ago I went through all the stats about where they were at with that and what they're doing and how much less he's running each of the last two games though he has seven rushing attempts that is not where he's been at for the majority of the season and so yeah i wonder if this is the bills brass kind of being like okay josh isn't trusting latavius murray to handle these short yard you know things and it's not as effective we need to do something so he stops running the ball as much um that that that's a good call by you uh ronan your thoughts on playoff lenny other than you get the nickname back on the pod (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I I like the signing uh, for all the reasons you guys have mentioned. Um, it, the experience is a big factor there. Even if he's not that guy to will you to that next level, I, I still think that it was a solid addition. He's a good locker room guy from what it seems. He seemed to be a pretty uh, prominent guy in the locker room in Tampa. So, and <clears throat> Buffalo has a, a very united locker room. So, I like the the fit from that aspect. And then Simon, like you mentioned, goal line back, um, just power running. Uh, anything to stop Josh Allen from just taking unnecessary licks because it 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 gets a little bit spooky out there, Simon. Oh, happy Halloween, by the way, everybody. <laughs> Thank Wondering you. Wondering who's gonna work something like that in at some point. <laughs> um 
yeah, so we'll we'll see how how well that pays dividends. And look, a, a 27, 28 year old running back that you sign in October might not equate to anything for this team. But if it's a chance at helping preserve Josh Allen and maybe an upgrade over Latavius Murray, you do it. So so we're happy with that. Let's hit a contract extension. We, we're getting a little bit of everything here tonight, guys. Packers and edge rusher Rashawn Gary agree to a four-year, $107 million contract extension. I haven't seen – I'll look while you guys are talking about guarantees. Um, but Gary turns 26 in December. Uh, he's a huge leader within that locker room. He was out injured for the second half of last year. And the quotes out of training camp when he was kind of back for them the, this offseason were just how glowing um, – Everybody was uh, having him back kind of in the building and around the team comes in at just under $27 million a year, which by that math makes him the fourth highest paid edge rusher behind the Bosa's and Watt. So really just showing where the market is right now for edge rushers. And we know we have a lot of big guys, Brian Burns, Daniil Hunter, Chase Young, Montez Sweat coming up on free agency. Um, all off season, we were so excited about how much defensive tackles were getting paid, and we were like, "Yeah, the market's shifting back to the big guys in the middle." Oh boy, edge rushers, buckle up! If you want your team to go get one of these big edge rushers, you are going to have to pony up. So while I look for the guaranteed money, Ben, what are your thoughts on the Rashawn Gary extension? I, I like it, and you guys know I don't hand out my money freely. I am a tightwad when it comes to NFL cap space. But I like this for several reasons. Number one, Rashawn Gary has proven over the past three years that he's a difference maker at getting to the quarterback. He's not just a, a guy who collects five or six sacks. He truly can get off the edge, pass the tackles, and get pressure on the quarterback whether he gets a sack or not. He's a difference maker in that regard. Now, again, I don't think he's up there with the Boses and in the rarefied air of the T.J. Watts and stuff like that. Still, love his ability off the edge. He's a true difference maker. He's better than Kenny Clark on the inside, but he and Kenny Clark make a great Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside kind of a combo there for the Packers. I also love it because not only has he proven it for three seasons, but he, he's got that age factor. He's only 25, turning 26. That's key too. So you figure he might even get a little better next year, conceivably, but if not, he shouldn't be still in his prime for the next three or four seasons. So I love it. I, I would hate for the, I would have hated for the Packers to have seen him walk away. $25 million a year is a lot. But it, after watching teams pay some of these quarterbacks some of this ridiculous money and watching teams pay some of these wide receivers some of this kind of money, it doesn't feel like as much as it used to feel, even though statistically you're right. It's right up there, fourth, fifth, whatever, in terms of edges. It doesn't feel like as much when teams are paying quarterbacks 40 and $50 million, some of whom – are pretty average at their position, to be quite honest. Ronan? Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I, I like the signing. I like you know, keeping him. Um, the price tag is a little bit questionable, but, you know, like you guys have said, that's just where the market's at. And, Simon, all those guys that you mentioned, uh, you know, between the Burns and the Chase Youngs and everybody else, uh, they're licking their chops right now because they can kind of compare their body of work to Rashawn Gary and get that top eight, uh, maybe even top five money for edge rushers. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think, you know, like you guys, I, I don't think he's, you know, in that upper echelon of edge rushers with the the Miles Garris and the TJ Watts and the Bosa's. Um, but he, he has been a very solid piece for that defense. He's got four and a half sacks so far this season. Uh, he's got a career high of nine and a half. So 
he I don't believe he's broken that that double double digit uh mark yet. So that that's something that you'd like to see from your top premier uh, edge rusher at, at some point. And you know what, this season very well might be it because all it takes is a three sack game, and then he's two and a half away from that ten sack mark. So <clears throat> I, I like the Gary signing. Um, I, I think he's the best pass rusher on that defense. So uh, all in all, good signing, Simon. Yeah, uh, nothing yet on the guarantees, and and just so I can be super specific, looks like ninety six million uh, is the new money. If you take into account what I guess they're maybe giving him a bit of a raise this year, so, or taking some of that money with the signing bonus and moving around a little bit, so that would put him just under Miles Garrett for the fifth highest paid edge rusher per year. But still, you get my point. They're all it's all up there. So good for Sean Gary. Good for the Packers. Um, next bit of news here, Josh Dobbs, this came through the wire just shortly before Sunday night or Monday night football started. It looks like he's going to be benched. He's not expected to be the Cardinals starting quarterback ne uh, next week. Jonathan Gannon said after watching the film today, he decided that that seems, seems weird. And he was like, Oh, you guys, did you watch the game? It didn't go that well. Um, Josh Dobbs had a better game than statistically against the Ravens than the, the previous three games, but things that kind of been on a downturn, but here's the reason why I'm most interested in this and bringing it up on the podcast. Matthew Barry uh, tweeted out that he's wondering if this means that Dobbs is getting traded. Gannon just got out ahead of it and it's like, yeah, he's not going to be our starter next week. And is it because Dobbs could potentially be traded? So I want to ask you guys, um, do we think that a trade is the reason why do we have any other thoughts on Dobbs being benched? I personally have not been grinding a bunch of Cardinals tape or anything like that. So I can't tell you uh, if I think this was the right move from a football standpoint, my, my guess that he was going to accidentally win too many games for them. That didn't exactly come to fruition, but you know, my thoughts on, on where he could possibly go. Uh, I was like, is Cleveland regretting uh, sending him away and not loving the PJ Walker experience while Deshaun Watson seems to still be hurt. Um, some, some replies in the comments were Atlanta with the Desmond Ritter, you know, controversy that happened this week, uh, on, on the field controversy, no, nothing crazy off the field. Um, and there was another one that was, that was good. Uh, oh, mi like Minnesota, Minnesota, obviously with Kirk Cousins being out, could Minnesota just be calling and, and calling on Josh Dobbs? Um, so Ronan, I'll go to you first for this Josh Dobbs bench. Do you have any outrageous, you're just so fired up over this thoughts about Josh Dobbs being benched and what do you think about this whole conspiracy of he could be getting traded tomorrow? I don't know what to make of it, truthfully, Simon, because wasn't Gannon the same guy going into the season that wouldn't give uh, the media the knowledge of who the who their starting quarterback was going to be? Right, we were sitting there like, who's it going to be, him or Clayton Toon? Um, and, and then obviously it was Dobbs, and you know, all in all, the Cardinals have looked better than people expected. I, I think everybody can pretty much say that confidently uh, because. We were expecting this to be a dumpster fire where you know, they weren't going to be competing against these top teams pretty much whatsoever. It's the NFL, right? So they've always got a chance, but in, in a full season, um, not expecting a whole lot. And it's not like their win-loss record is good, but Dobbs has made them look better than they probably should be. Um, I, I think a trade is definitely possible the the landing spot that that that's a fun thing to speculate maybe we can later if you guys want to if we have the time um but you know, the the teams that you listed um i think are all pretty viable options and honestly if i were the cardinals i i'd, I'd probably move them 
um, especially if you are wanting to go for one of these rookie quarterbacks, um, or well, young quarterbacks uh, that are still in college, rookies next year uh, between Williams, Penix, or uh, May. But yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it because it's the same dude that wouldn't give the information going into week one. Now he's just like a week ahead of time, like, oh no, he's no. Nah. He ain't start. Are you kidding me? He looked like and, trash. And originally traded for him like four days before the season started. Yeah. By the way, you know who the Cardinals play next week? Who do they play? The Cleveland Browns. Uh-oh. Are they just going to fly him to the game in, in <laughs> Cleveland and just drop him at the Cleveland locker room? Like like you're you're being dropped off at your friend's house that lives next door kind of thing. Uh, and they just like stop by your house kind of thing on the way home. Um Gosh, this, I, I love this thing. Ben, a- any further Josh Dobbs thoughts for you? I have so much here. Let me do them really fast, okay? <laughs> First of all, I love the conspiracy. I actually didn't think of that when y'all told me that he was getting benched. I didn't think about, oh, that's getting ahead of it and trading it. We might be giving the Cardinals franchise too much credit at that point, but anything's possible with the Cardinals, right? So maybe they are trading them and hats off to them if they do, if they can get something, because they aren't going anywhere this year. If you can get something out of Dobbs, I don't know what the going rate is. If it's a fourth-round pick or a little higher, a little less. I don't know. Do it. Um, and, you know, hats off to any team that does trade for him because I think Dobbs has looked pretty good. Here's the schedule that Josh Dobbs has played against this year, if I'm looking at it right. Ravens, Seahawks, Rams, Bengals, 49ers, Cowboys. That's the gauntlet he's had to go up against. And then he's had a game against the Giants and the Commanders, which is obviously a lot softer landing. Now, listen, five interceptions over the past four games. It isn't going great. But still, the arm strength is there. He can throw to any part of the field. The mobility is there. He hasn't had a whole lot of protection, even though it hasn't been quite the disaster I thought it would be. The protection hasn't been great. He doesn't have a whole lot of weapons to throw the football to. There's not a whole lot of hope there in Arizona, and I like the way he's looked. If they've benched him because they're they're just trying to, for any reason other than trading him, then this is just a bunch of baloney. And what I really think is happening here, I think this is just old-fashioned defensive coordinator conservatism. I think that's what's really kicking in here. I, I think we see it in all kinds of places every year at the NFL level is, oh, crap, my guy threw two interceptions. I got to get him out of there. Let the guy throw the football. Let him throw 300 yards. Let him run around a little bit. He's going to turn the ball over a little bit. He's not a, he's not an elite quarterback. But let him do it. Give your team a chance, and that's my preference. And I think some of these old-fashioned defensive coordinator guys just can't let themselves do it. Simon? All right. Very good. Josh Dobbs talk. Uh, uh, you know, you guys know I love when we can do Josh Dobbs talk. Uh, all right. We have two small more pieces of news here. Ron and I didn't get to watch these games yet. We will watch them at some point this week. Ben, you got to watch parts of these games. So I just want to get your thoughts on these pieces of news that I wanted to make sure we talked about on the podcast. Jalen Ramsey is back. He played on Sunday. My only thought here, other than being excited to see it, is, man, you know, he was burning up that Schefter drop that he was going to play on Sunday. He had the whole tweet of, oh, this is news to me. I don't know who your sources are. People should talk to me if they want to know. Meanwhile, Sunday at what was it, 11 a.m. Eastern time, he drops the whole video that, you know, has been prepared for two weeks. So he was just mad that Schefter got to it before Ramsey got to release the video. I love that stuff. Um, And then Will Levis makes his first start. Those four touchdown passes look pretty good in his first start for the Titans. Um, Ben, you know, just and you just got to I know watch these like cursory level, but Jalen Ramsey uh, for the Dolphins, Will Levis for the Titans. Just your your first time watching those guys through. What did you think? Yeah, so Ramsey cursory. I got to watch almost everything from Will Levis. But um, real quick on Ramsey, 
So great for the Rams to have him back. He's an obvious game changer. I'll state the obvious and say it. Hang on, wait. A little Freudian slip for Ronan there. That was messed up. (laughs) That was so wrong, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm realizing he did it on purpose. Ronan's gone. Ronan has left the building. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> that hurt. That was me. That was unnecessary. That was a lot of things. Uh, I quit. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's, just, it's just there. I'm sorry. That was so good. That was great, Ben. That was incredible. Great job. <laughs> Uh, all right. Whenever you're ready, that was. Hats off to you. Go ahead, Roland. Uh, oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I don't. Jalen, we we broke Ronan. We broke Ronan. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Jalen obviously had a uh, a pretty solid day in his first game back. Um, the, the highlight video. Everybody should have just known. Um, he got traded for a bag of chips. He probably took it to heart, but he was probably also ecstatic that he was going to Miami. Uh, so, you know, I guess he, he, he can live with it, but he, he played lights out pick almost six. I think if he would have made look out a little bit shiftier, you know, but Hey, first game back, just getting loose a little bit. I understand it. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily sure if head coach Mike McDaniel, uh, understands it as well, though, because I'm pretty sure I saw something that came out where he's like, hey, if you would have just made that one move, you know, that one cut. But uh, it's obviously great to see him back. He's a top corner in the game, top defender in the game. He plays that star role because he is a star um, and he is a ball hawk. So it's nice to see uh, him back in action, having fun, because last year on the Rams, that was abysmal. That He just looked mad. He didn't look like he was having fun out there. And he's one of those guys that wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, so, you know, j- just seeing him out there flourishing, it- it's nice to see just as a football fan's perspective, Simon. Yeah, definitely. And I said it last week that you could see the makings of this Dolphins defense and where he would fit perfectly. And it's just so, I mean, I, I think he was targeted like five times. And first off, first game back from knee surgery, and they only threw to him five times. And I think it was like one or zero completions and then the interception. So you love to see it. This Dolphins defense is going to be uh, really fun to watch, I think, the rest of the way. Uh, ben, give us your thoughts on Will Levis and his first start. Yeah, first, first of all, let me say how much I love what Will Levis did. And then let me just pump the brakes on how good he might be. Okay, because anytime somebody throws for four touchdowns in their first appearance or three, whatever it was, I think it was four. Uh, you know, everybody's going to get excited. So, first of all, Will Levis had a fantastic day. I mean, I'll state the obvious. Beautiful, fantastic day, four touchdowns, plenty of yardage, scoring points. The Tennessee fan base, you could see it there. They were so unbelievably excited with the way that game was going. And just hats off to him. And hats off to the Titans here for allowing him to step out there and be aggressive. He hasn't been able to practice with first and second teamers. He's been on the third string, so he hasn't gotten the reps. He doesn't know a lot of the stuff that you kind of sort of need to know. But they just let him be aggressive. And I really wish, you know, I just criticized 
the Cardinals head coach for perhaps being too conservative with Dobbs. And a lot of coaches do that. But they just let Will Levis go out there and throw it. Just go out there and throw the freaking ball. And sure, you're going to have your turnovers, but you're also going to have games like this. And I absolutely love that they let Levis be aggressive and that he was aggressive. He wasn't out here just, you know, milling around. It was big passes to the best guy on the field. And so I absolutely love it. I absolutely love that. Now, let me pull back and pump the brakes a little bit because, you know, people are going to get too excited about this. The first touchdown was underthrown and thrown to the right and could have been picked off had the cornerback not been tripping all over himself. All right? It was just a great play by Hopkins. The second touchdown pass was actually behind Hopkins, and it took an excellent hands grab by Hopkins to pull it down. The fourth touchdown pass was a thing of beauty. I mean, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Over there in the end zone to the left with guys in his face. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. But listen, Will Levis is going to get more time to prepare. He's probably going to play the rest of the season for the Titans. I can't imagine other than injury, any scenario in which they yank him. But that also means that defenses get time to prepare for you, and that's when it all changes, all right? So I don't care what young quarterback you are. When defenses know that you're going to be in there that day, they're all about you. You're their favorite person of the week. They study your moves. They study what you eat for breakfast. They study how you sit on the bench. They study all of it. And, you know, they're all working on you. So we'll see him take some bumps. And, oh, by the way, the last time a rookie, first time in the NFL playing field, three for four touchdowns, was in 2015. Marcus Mariota did the same thing for the Titans. So take it easy. Give him a chance to work his way through. He'll have some magic moments. He'll have some rough ones. All right, let's get back to a couple games here. So I, I mentioned we did have a game of the week that we picked, Bengals 49ers. The Bengals beat the 49ers 31-17 with a whole controversy the whole week about Brock Purdy going into concussion protocol, what, on Tuesday and then playing on Sunday. Uh, got got some got some thoughts on that. We've talked about concussions a fair amount on this podcast. Um, uh, I'll just start there. Let's start with the whole concussion thing, guys. I don't know what thoughts you have. Obviously, Purdy ended up playing this game. Uh, it, it'll always be the game that did not happen. Getting to see Sam Darnold play under Kyle Shanahan's offense really test out how much it's the system and who's who, like, you know, chicken and egg and all that stuff. But Brock Purdy plays. Now, when it comes to concussion protocol, I think Purdy is like the third, only the third player this season who went into protocol um, and played that same week. I, I know Schefter kept saying he was the first one, but I, I think I, I kept seeing replies that other players had done it this season. Whatever it was, it doesn't happen very often. Now, what we do need to know and understand is that every player goes through concussion, concussion protocol differently. And by that, I mean, is every player recovers from things differently. There's different severities to concussions. There does, there's different ways you get hit. There's different uh, ways that you're impacted post-concussion. Now, the fact that he played the rest of the game, that he apparently got concussed in and then played in the night, like you would think that would make it worse. Um, that's not great. So whatever's happening with the 49ers and, and you know, Brock Purdy, I, I saw somebody else even say they saw Purdy take a hit to the head. I didn't see it in this one against Cincinnati. Just hopefully San Fran and, and the NFL are continuing to do things right. Um, when it comes to concussion protocol, I did find it interesting, however, that last week against the Vikings, uh, I forget, were they on Sunday or Monday night? Regardless, the, the announcing team Pretty was scrambling around, and, and uh, they were like, you know, he doesn't normally do this. And then he scrambled five times in the 49ers game. And to me, I was just like, 
is that because he can't see 20 yards down the field? What's going, what's going? And I didn't like having that thought, but it's genuinely concerned. Like we're seeing him do something he never does. Why, why is that? What does it, what does it mean? So anyways, Bengals beat 49ers who, you know, Ronan, I'll kick it to you first. If you want to talk concussion, you can, if you don't, uh, that's fine. I think we can leave it as is, but your, your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I'll touch on the concussions a little bit. Um, obviously, player safety needs to be first and foremost. Um, from the organization's perspective and the coach's perspective, everybody's perspective, um, e- even ours, right? Um, it, we saw what happened last year with Tua and how much it impacted him and how you know he potentially had to, at, at the very least, debate whether or not he should keep playing in the NFL uh, to preserve his safety. So obviously you want to have your quarterback out there every week, right? But you can't force him out there. So hopefully the doctors were right. And, you know, it it was just pretty was cleared to go and he's okay now, but it, it it is a little bit concerning um, given the fact that he went into, well, he potentially got the concussion, right? then played the rest of the game, then went into concussion protocol, then came out of concussion protocol, and then played an entire NFL game, uh, getting smacked around a little bit. So, yeah, I, I you just want to make sure that everything's straight there. But in terms of the game itself, um, guys, Joe Burrow looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. 28 of 32, 283 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He took three sacks, uh, but – the Bengals running game was on fire as well. 27 attempts, 134 yards for a clean and crisp five yards of carry and a touchdown. Um, the Cincinnati offense was a little bit shaky at the beginning of this season. We were sitting there kind of wondering, is this what it's going to be all season long? Has Have they finally kind of reached that peak and now they're kind of falling down? But a strong showing from this Bengals offense all around. There, there wasn't necessarily a, a position group offensively that you know, looked bad per se, but against this defense, right, this 49ers defense, who albeit they're on some sort of weird decline at the moment, but I'm not necessarily banking on that to continue. Uh, th- this is a solid defense, lots, lots of talent, a great matchup, and the Bengals went it pretty handedly, thirty-one seventeen. It was a very impressive showing by Cincinnati, Simon. Yeah, absolutely. I want to stay on the Bengals' offense here for a minute because, yeah, so much was clicking. I, I tweeted out during the game those first two drives; they just marched right down the field, like they did whatever they wanted. The the scramble by Bur- that Burrow had on that, I think it was the first third down or, or, or no, it was right after they converted the first. So the first next first down, he scrambles, he breaks like three tackles and he makes that first down pass to, I think it was T Higgins on that one. And you're just like, Oh, okay. It's like that bro. Like the, those soft tissue injuries, man, they're so finicky because they can linger for so long. But then like once they're healed, it's like, okay, you're good. You're good now. And, And you could see that the way he was running around. I mean, he, he scrambled right up in the pocket the big thing for me was his mobility in the pocket too, not just him scrambling out of it, but that's always been like maybe his best skill, that ability to maneuver in the pocket to get the arm angles and, and the the throws open that he needs, that he makes. Um, and he was moving in the pocket really, really well against the San Fran defensive line. Um, 
the only thing you know and they were doing everything they were running up the middle whenever they wanted they were making short and intermediate passes whenever they wanted uh they only threw it downfield a couple times but it was there when they wanted it so i'll be interested to see if that continues to open up uh throughout the season for them um the run game to the outside wasn't very good that was where they were having less success trying to run the ball but anytime Joe Mixon was just taking the ball and, and running forward was good. I thought Orlando Brown stood out at left tackle going up against uh, Bosa there. Um, Bosa definitely beat him a couple times, but I thought Brown held, held his own pretty well. Um, and to the 49ers defense, you know, man, it, it it just doesn't feel quite like it did the first half of the season. So hopefully they kind of continue to get it back together. They did drop an interception on that first drive that like, you know, sliding doors moment could have looked completely different. But the front four, I think, I mean, I think the Bengals offensive line straight up beat the Niners defensive line for, you know, the entirety of the game. Um, you know, Burrow took those couple of sacks. But other than that, man, I mean, the the Bengals really felt like they were winning up front. Um, ben, on, on that end of the game, you know, your general thoughts, but then any more Bengals offense, Niners defense outside of the ball? What, what were your thoughts on this one? You know, I'll just real quick touch on Brock Purdy, not the concussion. Y'all covered that very well. What I did like about Brock Purdy in this game is that immediately after those two interceptions, back-to-back plays, he went right back downfield, not once but twice. Now, they didn't score um, on one of those, but they were able to march right back down the field yardage-wise. Purdy didn't back off his aggressiveness, and the 49ers didn't box him in. So he went right back down. That's a pretty good Bengals defense. It's, it's not – elite necessarily but it's a good Bengals defense after those two interceptions they marched right back down the field of consecutive drives significant yardage there so while the, the Purdy limitations and the Purdy interceptions are a thing to, to watch and wonder about the yardage was still there so I like that for the 49ers yeah looking at the 49ers offense you know Debo Samuel still out of this one Trent Williams still out of this one the Niners certainly were having their struggles getting everything they wanted going early on. Um, you know, 23 carries for 113 yards total on the ground, but 57 of those were Brock Purdy. McCaffrey went 12 carries for 54 yards. Now that's a four and a half yard clip, but I think there was that one 16 yard run. Um, it just didn't feel like it was as successful as they wanted. And it was pretty limited too, because if you, when you watch, they can't run to the left with Trent Williams not in the game, man. They they the only success they were having running was to the right. And when you go down a little bit, when you need some more explosive plays, you know, they just kind of went away from that running game pretty early. They did find success in the second half working in play action. I thought uh Tony Romo did a good job of kind of calling that and and, and talking about how that worked out for them. Um, but yeah, just without Trent Williams there, without the that full complement of all of those offensive weapons that they have including Williams it, you know it you can feel where those limitations are because then you're kind of just like Purdy drop back and you know all we have is Ayuk and Kittle and, and wow all we have is Ayuk Kittle and McCaffrey like how many teams would would love that but we talked about it that's kind of where Brock Purdy's at right he needs he needs all five of those guys I think to you know really hang with these at least very top teams right now the way the way things are going um, so yeah, I thought from the run games pr perspective on the offense for the Niners, it was tough. Um, pretty used his legs a lot. Like I said, speaking of Romo, 
Romo's feeding into this whole like Brock Purdy is the next coming kind of deal because he was when he was calling some of those. Um, let's see, there was the on the final drive, uh, the final scoring drive that they had, they had the play coming out of their own like 15 yard line and they hit George Kittle on a, on a seam route. And all Purdy did was like look off a of safety and throw it to wide open Kittle and Romo like talked about it for the next two plays like it was just like oh my gosh nobody does this anymore nobody can hold a receiver like this look at the way he like moved his shoulder so there's like buddy like oh, like almost all the quarterbacks do this now so um i did i did think that was pretty funny because joe montana was literally in the building right and like we have joe burrow who's called joe cool because of joe montana but all we could do is talk about how amazing Brock Purdy is and how he's like Joe Montana. I thought that was funny. Um, but those two Brock interceptions, Ben, that you mentioned, I think like three weeks ago we did a Brock Purdy check-in and we were like, you know, he's blending in the Brock Purdy and Jimmy G where it's like he can do the gunslinger stuff, but he's taking care of the ball when he does it. And these last couple of weeks, like that's starting to fade away a little bit. So it, for the 49ers and for Brock Purdy to get back on the right train – which I'm sure they will. Um, I'm with Ronan. The defense is, is worrying me a little bit more. Uh, feels like Brock just needs to kind of rein in some of those turnovers. And if he does, you know, if he gets back to what he was doing the first few weeks, just taking care of the ball, only taking the shots when he needs, and maybe this will come with having Debo back. Um, the, they should be back on track. Ronan, did you have any other thoughts from this game? I think you guys hit it all on the head. Um, as far as the 49ers offense goes, I agree. I, I think – uh, he Purdy needs those all of those pieces um, to kind of get to where he was the first four weeks or so of this season. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that you're what you brought up about you know the uh, the Jimmy G slash Brock Purdy gunslinger, but taking care of the ball was a good point because uh, I think you're right. The past couple of weeks, it's definitely started to fade away. Ben, what else you got on this game? The only thing I go back to, and I know this isn't clear cut, I still am not happy with that Bengals offensive line. Now, run blocking, they were fantastic against the 49ers. There's no question about it. I still don't like their pass protection. I, I thought it was I, I thought it was bad. When when you look at the Bengals and Joe Burrow, two things you're seeing. Number one is they're getting rid of the ball so quick. I mean, the defense really just isn't getting time to develop the moves to get the Burrow. And when your offensive line knows that, they know they don't – they can just make that initial impact and they're fine. They're not having to, to protect these. And that's why you saw so many of the short throws short throws out of Burrow. And the deep ones he was beautiful on. My gosh, he was spot on with those deep throws. But also what you're seeing with, with the Cincinnati Bengals, even though he only got sacked three times, he had to maneuver out of a lot of potential sacks. We saw this is the best Burrow we've ever seen running. But watching him maneuver out of the pocket – Guys with both arms wrapped around him, he still got away from him. Pirouette, run downfield, move, dive, dash. It's the best running we've ever seen from him, but I really don't want Burrow to have to do that. I'm still not happy with that pass protection from the Bengals' offensive line. I know it's a good 49ers defensive line, but we've seen it all year from the Bengals. I still would like to see them improve that in the offseason, but if they're winning, I guess they're happy with it. One last question for each of you. It'll be the same question. Um, the Bengals are currently four and three. They've won three straight games. We've seen a steady increase in, in Burrow's mobility and ability through those three games. 
They have a tough slate ahead. Bills, Texans, Ravens, Steelers, Jaguars are their next five games. Are the Bengals just back? Like, do we just say like, okay, boom, click, Burrow's back healthy. This is back to being in the cream of the crop, true Super Bowl contending teams, or do they continue to have to kind of show us over these next couple of weeks here a little bit more? Is there more that we need to see, or are we just like, just like Burrow's calf, like, oh, it's healed up and, and we're good to go now. Ronan, what do you think? Uh, truthfully, uh, compare this team to the Super Bowl run team, right? And uh, I think thus far into the season, you know, we're much more confident in this year's team than that year's team. So I think with anytime you've got Burrow healthy, um, I, I think you're in good standing. And, and I think all it took was a couple of a string of wins. And personally, I view them as contenders, but I would like to see a few more wins over, you know, respectable teams just to feel a little bit safer about that. Um, this AFC is going to be an absolute slaughter fest, right? So the Bengals have a chance to both win the AFC North and miss the playoffs, right? All in one breath. So... <laughs> Do they have the offensive firepower to go on a run? Absolutely. Do they have a defense to shut down these top teams? Yes, they do. So I, I've got to consider them a contender, but I do want to see more out of them, Simon. Ben, what do you think? Are the Bengals back? Yeah, so, bro, I, Ronan, I couldn't say any better than Ronan said it, but I'll toss in my two cents worth. Burroughs healthy, Burroughs back, Burroughs mobile, Burroughs throwing darts anywhere he wants to when he gets time to. I still worry about the offensive line and pass protection. I still have concerns about the safety position on defense. You mentioned the brutal schedule. So Ronan said it. They could win the North, make a playoff run, or they could miss the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think when Burrow is healthy, they're they're right there, you know, and it, yeah, it's just about how like everything kind of falls with, with the, with the schedule and everything. But if Burrow's healthy, I expect them to do what they do every year, go on a late season tear, get a lot of momentum, do everything that they're doing. I, I, I don't see anything when I watch that game and I watched it back that says, you know, I know Burrow's healthy, but this is still bothering me so much. That I don't think he do it. Ronan did a good job of, I think, alluding to a couple of years ago where Ben, like you're saying, Maybe the offensive line still isn't that good, but it wasn't that good two years ago either. And, and you know, it, it took some yeah. luck. I'll never forget the Raiders came in the blown whistle and the touchdown and everything. Um, but, okay. yeah, if if Burrow is healthy, I don't really care what else is going on. I, I think they're back, and, and they're going to be right there with the cream of the crop. All right. That was a good game. That was a fun game to talk about. We have two less fun games to talk about before we do some trade deadline stuff. So to mentally prepare ourselves, get us in the right frame of mind to do that, let's step away and listen to some more advertisements. Hello, everybody. Brandon Tim here telling you all to listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, a podcast giving you the insights to help you win your fantasy football leagues. Together, we will look at everything fantasy football, from the platforms we use to navigating weekly player projections. Listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise, Fox Sports Network podcast. We'll see you at the next episode. Hey, I'm Connor. I'm Billy. And I'm Austin. 
and we're the host of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. We talk about all things sports ranging from golf, baseball, football, NBA, and all college sports. Come give us a listen and make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Tricky Takes, and that's Tricky with two eyes. All right, and we're back, and we're going to have a lightning round conversation about the other primetime games that happened this week. So the Chargers beat the Bears on Sunday Night Football 30-13. to 13. Um, Here's what I want to focus on. We're, we're just going to basically say one thing and, and move on from, from these games because they were not all that great. I want to talk about Justin Herbert. He was 31 of 40, 298 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, took no sacks. He looked fantastic. Um, I know the Chargers kind of led up at the end there, but Herbert was really good. And I just want to take us back a couple of weeks. I think I keep saying this, so it's probably always wrong. I think I always do this. About three weeks ago, Justin Herbert hurt his finger in their last primetime game. Turned out to be broken. Uh, his ring finger on his left hand, I think. We mentioned it on the injury report the following week, and we said this isn't going to keep him from playing, but we want to mention it in case he sucks for a couple weeks. And we're like, why does he suck? I can't remember. Well, what happened? Herbert was bad for two weeks, and I could say I'm a Herbert truther till the cows come home. Herbert was bad the last two weeks. He, it, there's no denying it. Um, he said post game in in the interview, which I don't usually listen to. I listened by accident this time. Uh, that they had a new cast on it. The the cast or wrap that they had the last two weeks kept falling off, and uh, that was bugging him. Apparently, they had this new fangled one, um, that looked like the starship or something, where he it was like wrapped around his finger and then it wrapped up like near his elbow to like keep it down. And apparently, that was way more comfortable and it worked. So, uh, Herbert looked bad for two weeks dealing with that broken finger and how to kind of keep it safe and protect it. And it looks like they figured it out because he looked awesome. Ronan, what what was your thought coming out of Chargers Bears Sunday night, other than you were just glad it was over? Yeah, um, I was glad that it was over. Um, I I do want to highlight something for the Chargers that might not necessarily be as uh, happy and optimistic. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the Chargers run game and their inability to run against the, the Chicago Bears. The, the Chicago Bears, um, 25 attempts for 54 yards for a mean, mean, mean 2.2 yards a clip. Um, a longest rush of seven yards, not even for a first down. Well, it might have been for a first down, but it, it, if it was first and 10, it wasn't for a first down. Um, that That's not good. And this has been a team that has struggled to run the ball, and they have a running back in Austin Eckler that can run the ball. Um, but he had 15 attempts for 29 yards for 1.9 yards a carry. So he, it wasn't good. Um, so, I, you know, guys, you might be able to uh, blame the offensive line here. I, I don't know necessarily how we're feeling about the current state of the Chargers offensive line, but I, I did not love that. And that does worry me moving forward because this is a team who has struggled so far this season. And if you can't run the ball, it's hard to do much else, guys. Ben, what do you think? Uh, you know, Will Clapp is the starting center for this offensive line. Trey Pipkins is starting right tackle. But I'm you you would still think you could run more going to the left behind Zion Johnson and, and Rashawn Slater. But I, I haven't seen anything that stood out too much on the O-line. What, what did you think about this game and any thoughts on the Chargers run game? I, I agree. If you're the Chargers and you've got a quarterback like Herbert that can throw the football all over the field, it should be pushing the defense back. Now, the Bears have improved their run defense this year. I got, I got called on that earlier this year. But 
still, it's not a great Bears defense by any stretch. And the defense should be playing back, and you should have some open running lanes, and the Chargers just seem incapable of doing that. Don't know why. I'm sure the O's lines can, you know, contribute to that, but that's that can't be enough. Um, Herbert continues to impress some weeks where it's three, 400 yards, only has five incompletions, two to three touchdowns, no interceptions, just immaculate, flawless. And then other weeks where you're like, yes, they're about to go on a run. Doesn't happen. Who do you blame? I don't know. But uh, nice win for the Chargers. Thursday night football, the Buffalo Bills beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24-18. to I was doing the live tweeting for this game from the um, Stat Sheet Pod account. Make sure you're following at Stat Sheet Pod on Twitter. We try to live tweet one or two primetime games a week. Uh, This was a total snooze fest, guys. I was uh, doing my best. The best things I could tweet about were punts. I think I tweeted like eight times, and I think four of them were like, hey, good punt. Hey, another good punt. Um, This game only looked close from a score standpoint because the – Bucks got uh, their last touchdown with the two-point conversion because that last drive, there were two different fourth-down penalties that, that got them into scoring range. Uh, other than that, this really wasn't a game that anybody needed to write home about or learn anything from on either team. The only thing that stood out to me, Bill's linebackers, especially Terrell Bernard, continue to impress and play well. That, that was a trade that I thought might need to happen, go get them a linebacker. I think Bernard has been playing well as the the main guy at linebacker for the Bills with Matt Milano out. Doesn't mean they couldn't use somebody, but he, I thought, had another good game. Ben, I'll hit you first. Any thoughts on Bills-Bucks coming out of Thursday night? Yeah, two real quick thoughts. Number one, the Buccaneers offense is always dangerous because you never know when Mayfield gets in playmaking mode and can go off. But we're, we're starting to see the offensive limitations the past three or four weeks for the Buccaneers. They're just going to struggle on a lot of weeks to put up points. They can be dangerous, but they weren't this week. The other thing you mentioned, that the Bills were always in control of this game. So much in control that they were actually punting the football in situations where a lot of teams are going for it these days, kind of just past midfield. They're like, no, nah, we're good. You know, the Buccaneers can't come back on us. And then all of a sudden you've got the Hail Mary at the end. We're like, oh, crap, they do have a chance. But the, Buc- the Bills probably could have, if they really wanted to push the medal here, gotten more points they just always felt in control of the game Rona yeah I think that's a really good point and I, I think it being Thursday night football might factor into that as well you know just short week not wanting to get everybody super drained you know long week coming up uh so I, I think that could have potentially played into it um to me you know, one quick thing the Buccaneers started out three and one and they've lost three in a row so I think we're starting to see the them started to level out a little bit and albeit we at least i thought uh this would be a pretty not so great team so you know the the three and four there's still plenty of season left it seems like that nfc south for the most part is wide open still uh so it's going to be interesting to see if this buccaneers team can turn it back around like they did the first four weeks of the season or if they're going to stay on this trend where it's kind of subpar offensive play uh, relatively okay defense, not giving up way too much or too uh, too many touchdowns, I guess, too many scores, too many yards. But it's going to be interesting to see how Tampa Bay responds to uh, the three-loss streak, Simon. Yeah, definitely. I think once everyone kind of figured out what this team does offensively, it was, it was easy enough to stop there. It, ben mentions, you know, defensive coordinator, head coaches. 
the conservative nature, the offensive minds that they tend to bring in. I think Dave Canales has done a good job, but yeah, it's a limited offense. Um, and once you kind of know the beats, it, it's pretty easy to figure out what to do. Uh, all right. That is all the game talk we we're going to do this week. As Ronan mentioned at the top, it is Halloween. It is the trade deadline. Now, by the time you guys are listening to this, hopefully there's still a few hours left in the trade deadline. So we're just going to even this applies to post because these are those kind of main storylines um, going into the trade deadline. Will it or won't it happen? Some based on injury, some based on reporting, some based on team success. So we're just going to go through a few of these that are out there and get our thoughts and feelings on what we think could happen when it comes to the trade deadline. So we started with Kirk Cousins earlier in the podcast. The Vikings were a team that. Uh, you know, could be in the tank for a quarterback. Um, but then, you know, they and they they start what one and three, and then Justin Jefferson goes to IR, and you're like, Oh, this is it, it's gonna happen. Then they win a couple games, and now Kirk is out. Do the Vikings go get a quarterback? Do they go, you know, I'll just I'll just say it. Do they go get Kyler Murray tomorrow and really start balling out? Um, do they go get Josh Dobbs? Do they go get you know, uh, a, another backup from somewhere? And do they go get Ryan Tannehill and try and finish out the season? Do they go the other way? Do they start tanking? Do they sell off and, and trade Daniel Hunter for a day two pick? Do they trade? I don't think you really trade anybody else or get anything much for anything uh, out of anybody else. So do they trade Daniel Hunter tomorrow or do they go get a quarterback? Ben, I want to start with you. What do you think the Vikings do at trade deadline? I think they're going to sit pat on the quarterback spot. I, I kind of doubt it. Now, that's easy for me to say. It's not my job security as a coach or general manager, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's easy for me to say, hey, look ahead to next year. But when you're at four and four and you might have Justin Jefferson coming back and the schedule isn't brutal. It's a pretty light schedule, comparatively speaking. Lots of winnable games. Um, maybe th- two or three of them not super winnable, but the other five or six are very winnable games for the Vikings. It's easy for me to sit there and say, hey, just wait till next year. But when you're the coach and general manager, it's not that easy, right? But Jaron Hall, the quarterback from BYU, gives them at least a chance to compete, gives you a chance to see what you got. We already thought they might be moving on from Kirk Cousins next offseason anyway. There's lots of guys in the draft I like next year. I think they'll stay pat. I think Daniel Hunter, I would go ahead and trade him. Um, but again, once you do that, you're kind of signaling to the players and the teams that, hey, not super worried about making the playoffs this year, so that can be deflating. It's not an easy question, but I figure they sit at quarterback and trade Hunter is my guess. Rona? Uh, you know what? I, I was all in on them tanking and just running with what they've got, but Simon, you just blew my mind with the, the <laughs> imagining an in-season trade of Kyler Murray, who hasn't played all season. And, you know, was the former number one overall pick and shipped off to Minnesota to be with Justin Jefferson. That would be a lot of fun. Um, and, and I think I, I, I that's that's the boat that I want to be in for the next probably, <laughs> what, 12 hours or so, maybe 16 hours or so. Um, that's what I'm going to sit here and wish for. So thank you so much, Simon. I love that. I, I really hope that happens. Cardinals first team ever to trade two quarterbacks in 24 hours <laughs> after paying one of them a massive contract the year before yes. and trading for the other one three days before the season started to be their starter. Yeah. Peak Cardinals, peak Cardinals content. Absolutely. Um, I can't see the Vikings rolling with Jaron Hall and, and Sean Mannion the rest of the year, even from a, a 
tank perspective because they already have four wins. So even if they stop now, they maybe get the third pick. And guess what? The the teams that are going to be one, two this year probably aren't trading out of those picks. Um, so I don't see it. I say go, even if it is just a, a backup level guy. But look, Kyler was before the season started. I wanted Kyler in Minnesota anyways. And then I kind of came off of that. Um, but I'm I'm back on, baby. I'm back on. Give, give me Kyler in Minnesota. <laughs> Let's um, do it, man. Sorry to all of our Vikings listeners if you don't like that. Let's move to the Tennessee Titans. Ben talked about Will Levis and how that transition went from Ryan Tannehill. Probably seeing Will Levis go the rest of the way, although Mike Vrabel's petty enough. If if Tannehill says he can go back in, then I'm sure he'll let him. Um, but this was a team that, especially once they traded Kevin Byard, we were like, oh, man. Like Even I was coming around on, they might trade Derrick Henry. They might trade Ryan Tannehill. They might trade uh, one or two more defensive pieces. Um, but reportedly, and, and Schefter even came back on Monday Night Football and was pretty adamant about this, it doesn't look like the Titans are going to do anything else. Derrick Henry had a 5 p.m. deadline on restructuring his contract, which would make a trade easier. That came and went. It doesn't seem like the Titans are doing anything. Um, that's just me kind of passing along the report. Ben, we'll start with you first. You know, are you – what what are your just what are your thoughts on that? Anybody anytime somebody tells me it's not gonna happen, I I automatically get a little fishy. It's like, well, okay, I realize it might be hard, but still things can happen. So I'd be interested in trading Henry. And it's not that I don't love him. I mean, I love Henry, and he's perfect for the Titans and what they want to do, but he is twenty nine years old. And if you can get something significant for him, even Levis would have to play at this level for the rest of the year for them to really be moving up into some significant areas of competing in the AFC. So, you know, if I were Tennessee, I think I'd let Derek Henry go if I could get something good enough for him. Um, but maybe they're not going to do that. Maybe Vrabel just likes his Henry too much, you know. Maybe that's not an option, Rona. Uh, personally, I like keeping the, uh, the team intact. Um, you've got a young quarterback in Will Levis. Um, the The – Trade pieces that have been talked about have been DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry, the offense's two top players. So I think if you want to get any sort of look at Will Levis and what he can really do, um, you need to keep those guys on your team because if you take them off that squad, it, it gets pretty ugly. Um, we've yet to see Traylon Burks kind of step up. Tajay Spears has had a pretty decent run so far this year, but... Um, you know, seeing him as the the number one back would be interesting for sure. So I, I like the the mentality of keep it keep it intact. Uh, just see what you've gotten, Will Levis, and kind of go from there. Because I, I don't think I don't think they're going to be one of those teams that if they were to trade away those guys, uh, they'd be in the the top three conversation for a quarterback, right? And uh, unless you're you're shooting for Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, at that point, I'd say just try to turn out as many wins as you can, develop the team, uh, because it, uh, Vrabel, he, he isn't going to put up with that crap. Simon? The last two weeks, we saw a lot of teams that looked like they could be in a real good tanking position win a game or two. The Titans, the Patriots, uh, the Giants messed around and got a win two weeks ago, um, although they're still you know, selling some guys off. The Broncos have won a couple games of late. The Raiders won a couple games a couple games ago. Uh, there were a lot of teams that were, we 
thought could be in this position to, okay, trade your starting receiver, trade your starting edge rusher, get a move on, but they've won. So yeah, now it's like, not only is it, man, there's an outside chance we could be the seventh seed and make the playoffs, but also we're probably too far behind the eight ball on the Carolinas, the Arizonas, the Chicago's to get a top pick. So we might as well, you know, the value of not only for the Titans specifically, um, seeing what they have in Levis, making an assessment this year, maybe competing for a seven seed, but also just if you want Levis to develop into anything, he's got to have someone to throw the ball to. And I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is in any big hurry to get out of Tennessee after that came on Sunday, getting three touchdowns. So yeah, it seems like they're probably standing pat, but uh, you know, you, you never, don't be surprised. Maybe, maybe who's one of their edge rushers, I think is a free agent. Maybe they do something small for him for a fourth or fifth round pick just to take another swing. Um, here's one I've been wanting to get to commanders reportedly were waiting. I love the honesty on this reportedly waiting for the result of Sunday's game against the Eagles before making any moves. Uh, one report I saw was they had a trade offer from the Falcons. I think it was a third round pick for Montez sweat. And it was just like on the table and they were like straight up. If we beat the Eagles and we're still in the playoff hunt, we're not going to do it. And if we lose to the Eagles and – or maybe it was the other way. Maybe it was like if we win and we need to tank, we'll trade Montez Sweat so we can get back down there. Uh, but either way, they wanted to see the result of the Eagles game. They lose. And then when the uh, Grady Jarrett gets hurt, I was thinking you make the trade. Montez Sweat's a big body. They love those big body dudes, right? You move Calais Campbell to the inside. Montez Sweat takes the end position. Um, this would be perfect for the Falcons. But – Commanders have lost. Uh, there's reports flying around for weeks that Ron Rivera is not going to be the head coach maybe for the whole season. Um, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, both free agents at the end of the year. Ronan, let me hit you first. Do we think they move on from one, both, neither of those edge rushers after their loss to the Eagles on Sunday? Well, Simon, truthfully, um, they have such a solid pass rush, right? That front four is very, very good um, in terms of individual talent. Um, now, in terms of them coming together and rushing the passer, they haven't necessarily put up the numbers that you'd expect um, because you, know, you could go down the line between, uh, well, shoot, everybody on that. Uh, well, the starters on that front four, um, they're viable guys. And I think if any of the four of them were up on the block, uh, teams would be calling for sure. Um, Chase Young kind of kind of reminding me, and I don't I don't know if I'm overstepping here, but kind of reminding me of like a Jadavion Clowney type of deal, um, where you know high draft pick, lots of hype, and a a solid edge rusher, just not necessarily what he was drafted for. Um, so. I think it would be interesting to see him on another squad, but on the flip side of that, you know, I just talked about the, how solid the pass rushers in Washington are. If he's not doing it there, I'm not exactly sure where else he would um, because if he is traded for, and he's that team's number one edge rushers, let's say the Rams, for example, um, he's going to be getting a lot of attention, especially post Aaron Donald. Right. So that's, it's an interesting conversation. Um, I, I think one of them does get traded because I, I think the commanders, uh, the, the, I, I'm not sure they're going to be making that playoff push. Um, Sam Howell has looked pretty good. So uh, I, I'm not completely out on the commanders, but I, I think 
if you already have four guys that are pretty solid on that pass rush, A, you can ship them out, and B, you can ship them out if you need other resources, and they do. So I'd say they end up trading somebody. Yeah, and and Ben, I'll kick it to you here next, but they they can't. There's no way they can afford both of these guys, right? They paid Deron Payne. They paid Jonathan Allen. Both guys uh, in Sweat and Young are free agents at the end of the year. I bet Chase Young's real happy they declined his fifth-year option now because we talked about the Rashawn Gary contract, and he's having uh, Chase's uh, maybe his best season statistically so far. So both those guys could get paid. When you think about it from the financial aspect for the commanders and everything they have going on with the new ownership, what do you think? Do Do these guys get moved? Yeah, you went right where I was going to go, and that is the money thing. So they've already got tons of money tied up in the two defensive tackles, which is probably more money than anybody else says tied up in defensive tackle in the league. They've got a ton of it, so they can't – you can make the argument that they can't reasonably afford either of these edge rushers having paid so much money to the defensive tackles. My preference would be you trade um, Chase Young, you keep Montez Sweat. I would not have paid Deron Payne that kind of money. I thought that was way too much. I would have paid Jonathan Allen and kept him. That would have been my preference. you got a defensive tackle, an edge rusher. The other two guys go. You get draft picks for them. You keep the cap space. Would have been my preference. That's not what they've done. The interesting part is, though, Simon, you mentioned r- rumors about Ron Rivera either being let go at the middle of the season or end of the season. He's the de facto general manager. So in order for him, the, the catch-22 is, in order for him to, in, in any universe, save his job, he needs to win right now which means you keep everybody. You don't start shipping guys off. Well, if somebody's talking about shipping guys off, it's not Ron Rivera who's going to want to do that. He's he's on his last legs as coach anyway. So somebody else inside the building is coming up with these ideas, and it's not Ron Rivera. So it's a package deal. I think you're right. They're either going to force him to do this and say, hey, if you don't, we're just going to fire you anyway, or they're going to fire him and do it anyway. I don't know what's going on exactly, but Ron Rivera's – uh, you know, preference is not going to be to let go of these guys. But the defense has been wretched, vile, horrible, awful. It has been nothing like a championship defense. It's been terrible. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily going to miss a guy statistically um, based on how bad it's been this season anyway. Simon? I wonder if this is a little bit of Rivera because I think in the, even starting in the offseason, we were hearing he was trying to position himself just for a job in the front office, get, get out of the coaching because he could see the writing on the yeah. wall there. So – Rivera's so great with people, right, and such a great standing in the NFL that, like, he can use that and be like, you know, man, let me let some of these other guys do the coaching. Let me just – I'll be upstairs. I'll do this. And if this is him being like, you know what, guys, let, uh, you know, we'll, we'll work around it, but let's do the right thing for the team. Let me get a draft pick. I already know what I want to do with this third-round pick also, by the way. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Let me just – I'll start scouting now. You know, Eric – you you take the headset, you take the head coaching job. Well, let's just do this now. And the next thing you know, Rivera's got a job for life with the commanders. Um, bit of a smaller <laughs> move here. Jeremy Fowler reported that corner Kyer Elam and edge rusher Josh Uche uh, from the Bills and the Patriots, respectively, are players to watch. Kyer Elam has basically been benched. He's been inactive, I think, for two weeks now for the Bills, the first-round pick two seasons ago. Josh Uche uh, is in the last year of his contract. He was inactive on Sunday, even though he's like essentially a starter for the Patriots. I think both very clear moves that those guys are available. Uh, Ronan, is there one of these guys that you'd like to see on a team 
specifically or, or just something that you would like to see happen with these guys in general? Um, I'd like to see Kyrie Elam go somewhere where he has maybe more of a chance of starting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, young guy, first round pick. So, you know, obviously the the thought is that he has a ceiling there, right? Um, now, we haven't seen a whole lot of him. And he has had opportunity to step in there and do something for Buffalo's defense. So I think teams are going to take that into consideration. But in terms of, you know, like a fit for him, I'm not exactly sure. Um, The Rams cornerback group is pretty bad. So if he wants to come this way, um, a young quarterback, cornerback um, doesn't sound too bad. First round pick. We haven't had one of those in a minute. So, uh, you know, I'd. I'd be cool with that, but I can't necessarily pinpoint uh, a team that could use him because as of right now, he's pretty much a depth corner, right? So, you know, if we were talking about like a, you know, who needs Marcus Peters, then we might be able to to dive into that a little bit more. But, you know, just a, a lot of different teams could probably use him um, now in terms of lots of snaps and high percentage. Ah, not exactly sure because, if he isn't playing for the Bills, um, you know, I think there are a couple teams that he could play a little bit more for, but I'm not exactly sure. Simon? Now, Ben, I think the Rams did have a corner on their team recently that was a first-round pick. <laughs> We've Do already done that, man. <laughs> We've already done that thing. Jalen's yeah. gone. <laughs> burm, burm, burm. Ben, Kyrie Elam, Josh UJ, any any fits out there in the league that you like or, or anything you'd like to see these incumbent teams do with these guys? Well, it is interesting because the Bills had Tredavious White go down earlier in the season. There, there are spots open on this Bills secondary, and still Elam hasn't been able to mm-hmm. kind of make his mark. Um, why not send him to the Falcons? I mean, you know, that defense seems to be working things together. You know, if, if you know, seventh-round draft pick, Nothing, nothing significant. Working men there. If not, hey, the Chiefs can always use more defensive backs. They're great at developing those guys. I never said this on this podcast, but um, the Chiefs cornerback reminded me, uh, Darius Rush now on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Y'all know I love that. So, so excited. That's what I'm looking forward to for the rest of the Steelers season. Um, I'll just say for Josh Uche, for those Commanders guys, and for this next guy, I want to ask you guys about Brian Burns. Can the Jaguars go trade for an edge rusher? Just somebody that's going to complete these sacks. I know they have Trayvon Walker, who's playing well as a run defender. Josh Allen is obviously great there, Josh Allen. Um, they're getting – they're like fifth in the league in pressures, I think, and they're like a legitimate top 10 defense this year, but they're like 28th in sacks or something like that. Can Just go get somebody that's going to complete some sacks. Um, does Ben, do no. you have any Brian's Burns thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Burns to the Jaguars would be magnificent. I would love that. Now, I haven't checked out their cap space. I know they're tight this year. I think they loosened up a little bit next year. But anyway, money aside, I would love Burns to the Jaguars. I would root for that so hard. I would enjoy that. He would be a beautiful fit. And I actually think Trayvon Walker, I said this last offseason, would make a better linebacker. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. He hasn't really shown the ability to get home to the quarterbacks yet. But Burns can. Burns can get to the quarterbacks mm-hmm. all day long. I would love it. Ronan, any thoughts for you on Brian Burns or, or the Panthers? Or even sh- should they trade him or should they just pay him and make him part of this rebuild? Uh, truthfully, if I were the Panthers, I'd pay him for sure. Um, I think Brian Burns is kind of – there's that upper echelon realm of edge rushers, and I think Burns kind of scratches the surface of the uh, the, the 
tier right under that um where he's very good but just not necessarily that next level um you know if i'm carolina i'm paying him but if they haven't done it by now it's already been such a conversation it does not seem like he's going to get paid by them um I'm right there with you. Jaguars were one of the teams that I had listed for him. Uh, just to name a couple more, the Ravens would be fun. Sorry, Simon. Uh, and, and then the Lions as well would be interesting. Um, seeing the Lions make a, a big splash and a pass rush pairing up with Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, that would be an absolute blast. But those are a couple of the teams that I have for uh, not only Brian Burns, but just these edge rushers in general. I'm so terrified of what the Ravens are going to do because they get, you know, Roquan Smith last year and everyone's just predicting they're going to end up with somebody and it's going to, it's going to hurt me down to my core. Um, this one we probably don't care as much about. So let, let's, let's combine these ones and, and we'll end here, I think for the evening, but Dalvin cook is reportedly unhappy with the reduction in his role with the jets. Does anybody care? Um, and then Jacoby Brissett, Ben wanted to throw in. We've talked about, Teams that could use quarterback, we could see some quarterback shuffling, some backups going places to start potentially. Um, ben, I'll throw it to you first. First, Dalvin Cook, do you care? And second, you know, Jacoby Percet, what are you thinking? Personally, not especially, but I mean, what was Cook thinking when he went to the Jets? I mean, first of all, he thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be there, so they were going to be throwing the football all over the place, not running it. Second of all, you had the, the second-year phenom, Hall, coming back off of injury. You know he's going to be number one on the hit list for the Jets. You know, you were going to have diminished carries no matter what. I, maybe he's just unhappy he's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. I don't know. I don't know what else he was thinking. And, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, real quick, if you're a team that's looking to just have a chance to compete but not get, not get locked in long-term, Brissett's the guy for you. So the Vikings, I think, would be a great fit. Maybe even the Jets, even though I don't, you know, they don't want to shut down Zach Wilson necessarily. He's trying. But, you know, yeah, if you're a team that thinks you've got a chance to wiggle into the playoffs this year, Jacoby Brissett is the guy for you. Ronan, your thoughts on those two guys? Uh, Dalvin Cook, um, I think uh, – I don't know. I think he made the wrong choice. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, But, you know, at the moment, I, I think the only realistic team – to potentially be that would be in on him would be the Dolphins, who he ended up choosing not to go to, uh, to the and he went to the Jets, obviously. And the Jets are not going to trade uh, a weapon to their division rival. Uh, they'd have to they'd have to give up too much for Dalvin Cook at this point in his career, and I don't think Miami will pull the trigger on that. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I'm right there with you guys. I, I think he's a viable. Uh, back up in the league, I think he can go out there and win you games. So if you are in Minnesota, if you are a, a New York Jets and you're super unhappy with Zach Wilson, which I don't think is the case, um, I think he's a pretty viable target uh, in terms of a trade. I do want to add one more thing uh, onto this trade deadline because it popped up as we've been recording. Uh, Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson has requested a trade. Um, after failing to agree to an extension with the Bears. So another cornerback that step out there, we just talked about Kyrie Elam, who you know, we haven't seen a whole lot about now. Jalen Johnson, on the other hand, you know, I believe he actually just got a pick this past weekend or maybe the weekend before. I just remember mm -hmm. the uh, the celebration with the team was pretty funny. But 
Jalen Johnson on the block, that's going to be interesting because he's on his rookie deal, I believe. Yeah, well, he's obviously on his rookie deal. Um, and, you know, he, he's one of those cornerbacks that he's made a name for himself on a Bears defense that has not been good. So I think if, if you can bring him in as a very strong cornerback too, um, you are in very good standing, Simon. Yeah, he was one that that people have quietly been mentioning just because he didn't get that contract in the off season. But yeah, if now if he's yeah if he's straight up requesting one, you, you think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that somebody's going to nab him. Uh, Ravens, go ahead and make that the move. That won't that won't hurt my soul too much. Go go ahead and do do that one. Um, ben, do you have any any parting thoughts uh, of what is week eight or any other final trade deadline thoughts before we get out of here? One really quick thing. We're seeing a lot, and it may, statistically it may not hold up. It's just a feeling I got. We're seeing more and more teams struggle with uh, actually scoring touchdowns. Um, wow. I think we're seeing NFL defenses the, this year get more physical with their defensive backs in the end zone, in the red zone. And I think they're getting by with it, whereas three years ago they weren't. But we always see this. A rule gets put in and forced, and you kind of see it soften up over the years. Mm-hmm. I think we're watching referees soften up a little bit on defensive backs pushing these receivers in the end zone, especially on the out-of-bounds kind of boundaries. I, I feel like I'm seeing that a lot, and that may explain why we're seeing some teams and quarterbacks struggle to score after moving the football up and down between the 20s. Yeah, score. I mean, scoring is definitely down the NFL this year. I mentioned earlier, like it just feels like quarterback play is, is less than what it was. I think I saw a stat somewhere this week that this is the youngest the average age of the quarterback has been since like the 1950s or something crazy wow, like that. Really? And I mean, a lot of that is, I mean, Tom Brady's retired and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers isn't playing this year. Ben Roethlisberger retired two years ago. Phil, you know, so there were a wow. lot of old hits that went. Um, quick shout out to the odds on favorite podcast, but you know, you, you and me, Ben, we're on there with Robertson, of course, your co-host there. We talked about how like the drafts from 2010 to 2015, right. Didn't yield a lot of good quarterbacks. So we're starting to make up for it. It's tough, but I think defenses have caught up in, in many, many ways, but that that's a really good observation by you. That's a much larger conversation. Maybe that's an off season deep dive for us, but until Mm -hmm. then, we are still very much in the thick of it, guys. It is at basically the halfway point of the NFL season. We're having a ton of fun. Um, hopefully, we'll have better primetime games to talk to you all about next week. But for Ronan, for Ben, this has been the Stat Sheet Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Have a good one.